0: Are a couple of charts on the bulletin board in the foyer. Uh, If you would please, please stop by and fill up those charts uh, by agreeing to spend time fasting, to to spend time praying uh, during our trip. We've got two conferences lined up, and uh, it's this way. This is the way we do it. The first week, we're teaching a doctrinal conference, and the second week, we're doing leadership training. And so, Uh, The days are there, the days and dates are on those sign-up sheets, so please take a look at that. Uh, Now the prayer list is strictly times of prayer, if you would take a time and then just commit to that over the next uh, couple of weeks, but certainly during the time, during the days that I've got marked as days of conference. Somebody understand that. I, I really want you praying during those time slots while we have a conference going on. And I do believe that it helps. It helps. I'm telling you that it's not enough for me just to preach or teach, but God's got to do something. The Holy Ghost has to do something. I, I, I've, I've done my best to try to, to tell young preachers, to teach young preachers. That if all you're doing is getting together a good sermon and you preach a good sermon, you're going to be preaching from the head and only reaching the head. But the head is not where real changes are made. you got to do something to get it down in your heart and preach from the heart and let the heart be changed. And the only way that's going to happen is through the power of the anointing. Hallelujah. It is the anointing that destroys the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And if we don't have anointing, we might as well not even preach. Without anointing, we're nothing more than a motivational speaker. Bring in Zig Ziglar or somebody. Some of you don't even know who he is. He is a real guy. Uh, It's not Ziggy. That's a different person altogether. All right, all right, if I get to fooling around, I'll lose the anointing. So let's go to Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19 and verse number 29, and let's read this passage of scripture. The Bible says it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying, Go ye into the village over against you in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied whereon ye never uh, yet never man sat loose him and bring him hither and if any man ask you why do you loose him thus shall ye say unto him because the lord Hath need of him. The Lord hath need of him. Now I just want that to sink in for a minute. The Lord hath need of him. And they were, and they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. The Lord hath need of him. It's Kind of an interesting thing to me, the statement that's made here, and I... We'll talk about it in just a moment. But this whole idea that the Lord hath perfectly pray and ask God to speak to you tonight. Not Lord, speak to my brother, but Lord speak to me. Lord, speak to me tonight. Let's everybody pray together right now. Lord. We thank you, Master. We thank you, Master. We thank you, Master. Come on, let's worship him for a moment. Let's worship the Lord for a moment, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift our voices. Let's lift our voices. Let's worship him. I love you, Savior. I love you, Savior. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Amen. Um, Somebody said, uh, this is liable to disturb everybody's habits with me preaching on Sunday night again. Uh, You're used to being out of here by now. And uh, I'm just getting started. So I hope you're not in a big hurry tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When we think of the terms need and Lord, we generally think of the fact that God is the supplier of our needs. In fact, the Bible says that he is. Philippians. Now here's what the apostle Paul told us. He said, I'm going to tell you, God will supply every need that you have as long as he's got the resources to do it. Now I'm going to tell you, God's never going to run low on the resources. He's going to do it based upon his riches and glory. And let me tell you how rich he is in glory. He's so rich in glory that he paved the streets with gold. I'm here to preach to you tonight that whatever need you have, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He is still the need supplier. He is still the one we can look to. If we're sick, he can heal us. If we're discouraged, he can uplift us. If we're bound, he can deliver us. If we're confused, he can give us answers if we're lonely he'll be right there beside us just the mention of his name and all of heaven stands at attention and God loves to meet the needs of his people hallelujah and some of us need a fresh revelation of that fact because we sit around and fret and worry and and, uh, pace the floor and to our fingernails to the quick and and, uh, pull our hair and whatever else because we get so uptight and so worried about how things are gonna come together. Some of us need to get a fresh revelation and hear a fresh reminder tonight that he is still the one that supplies all. He supplies all. Look, I'm glad the scripture's still up here. He didn't say, but my God can. Oh, and don't make a mistake, he can. But the word is not can. The word is shall. My God shall supply all your need. I'm going to tell you, if he doesn't supply it, then you didn't need it. You had a much better plan in place. You had something already worked out, and you may not have given me everything I wanted, but you've always met my need. I think I heard Brother Hilton say tonight, I think... I heard him talking about how God could meet our needs and, and may have, may have even quoted, may have even quoted where the psalmist said, I was old and, and uh, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God we serve. Listen, he clothes the lilies of the field who don't add one thing to his kingdom and yet they are more beautiful than Solomon in all of his glory. God sees when the sparrow, oh, I feel like preaching tonight. God sees when the sparrow falls from his nest. Uh, There's not one little bird but a child that ever falls to the ground that our Heavenly Father doesn't have his eye on it. Uh, And I'm here to tell you, if he's watching out for the birds and he's watching out for the flowers, uh, how much more will your Heavenly Father take care of those uh, that love him uh, serve him. But my God shall. He shall. He come on. He I want you to get this tonight. My God shall supply all your need. Well, the Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Well, it just fell dead on me all of a sudden. I, I had a bunch of folks back out right there, and they checked out. The minute I said, I'm just... According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is indeed our Jehovah Jireh. But the fact is that when we put the words God and need together... Generally, Brother Hilton, that's the only way we really look at it is that we've got needs and God supplies them. But I I want you to look at something here tonight that's a little different than that. Let's go back and look at our text again in Luke chapter 19 and verse 31. Here's the instructions Jesus gave to his disciples. Read for me. If any man ask you. If any man ask you,
1: why do you lose Why are you letting that coat go? Thus shall you say it. This is the answer I want you to give them. Because the Lord We're doing it because the Lord hath need of
0: him. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. When we put God and need in a sentence, it's because God's gonna supply our need. But I submit to you tonight, the Lord Jesus said he had need of something. I submit to you tonight that for the will of the Holy Ghost to be accomplished, there are things God needs. Now, you were shouting with me when I'm telling you God's gonna take care of your needs. You were shouting with me when I told you whatever you encounter, God's gonna show up and take care of it. But I wanna ask you a question tonight. When God's got a need, who meets his needs? Who meets God's needs? Well, now let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Let me preach to you here for a little. This may not be quite as exciting as God paying your rent and God healing your ingrown toenail or whatever you're dealing with next here. Let's, let's go back and read these verses that I read to you as my text so you can get this picture in your mind. Luke 19, verses 29 through 34.
1: And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon ne- yet never man set. Loose him and bring him hither. Now, now Jesus
0: sends two of his disciples into the village, and and he says, I want you to go and I want you to find this young donkey. And, and he's going to be tied up when you get there. But I, I want you to let him go and I want you to bring him to me. This is a specific donkey. This is not just any. This is not the old gray mare. This is not, this, this is not, you know, that, that, uh, a donkey that's been, what, what does what it, the cowboys say that's been, uh, ridden hard and put up wet? And some of you have no idea what that means, but, but anyhow, there's a few here that, that get it. There, there's a few here that's read some Louis L'Amour or something. That you may have even ridden a horse or two in your lifetime, but, but that, that's not what we're talking about. But he said, This is a cult whereon never yet man sat. That's the one I want. It's got to be a special one. It's got to be a specific one. I, I'm not going to use just any, but, but there's one in particular that I'm looking for, and I want you to go and loose him and bring him to me. Read.
1: And if any man asks you. And if,
0: if somebody stops you and asks you. Why do you
1: loose him? What,
0: what are you doing taking his donkey? That's mine.
1: Thus you shall say to him. This is the
0: answer you need to give him
1: because the lord hath need of
0: him not just because the lord would like to use him for a while not just because the lord has an interest in this particular donkey but he said i want you to tell the owners that i've got a need
1: yeah. and as he had said unto them uh-huh. and as they were loosing and the as coat, they were doing
0: what they were told to do
1: the owners thereof said unto them the that, owner said to him why loose ye the coat what are you doing and they gave the answer they said the Lord hath
0: and they said, here's the deal this is not just a request this is not just something that on a whim he decided he wanted to do but please understand the Lord has a need the Lord has a need for this donkey yes he
1: did now
0: now wait a minute. Wait a minute. A donkey? In fact, an unbroken donkey. Nobody's ever ridden on this donkey. In fact, it's just a cult. It's just a young donkey. It's not experienced. doesn't have a long pedigree and a list of qualifications and 12 degrees from five different universities. This is just a coat. Nobody's ever used this coat before. Nobody's ever seen any value in this coat before. But the Lord has need of this insignificant, unwanted creature. God said, I need him. Nobody else may want him. Nobody else may be interested in him. I don't just want him. I'm not just interested. I need him. Now, wait a minute, God. I mean, you're God. You you can turn water into wine. You you know, you you have. In fact, at this point, this is the end of his ministry. And, and I mean, this is, you know, this is right before uh, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which happened a week before he was crucified. So we're talking about the very end of his life. He's raised the dead. Uh, as I said, he's turned water into wine. He's taken a little boy's lunch and fed the multitudes. And he's saying... I've got a need. Oh God, you can do anything. uh, Right? I mean, he created the donkeys in the first place. Don't you think he's got the ability to just create another one? But he said, this unwanted, insignificant creature is needed by the Lord. Now, why did the Lord need him? What was the purpose in him finding a donkey that nobody had ever ridden on? What was the reason? I'll tell you what it was. This wasn't a spur-of-the-moment decision. This wasn't something the Lord just looked around and started thinking about and said, well, you know, this would be neat if I did it this way. But this was about to bring to pass a prophecy that had been issued hundreds of years before he walked this earth. Zechariah chapter nine and verse nine said this. Rejoice greatly, Rejoice greatly Lord, daughter O of daughter of Zion. Shout, Shout. Lord, daughter O daughter of Jerusalem, of because king. your king, king is coming mountain. unto you. He is just, he's just. Having he has salvation, but he's also lowly and, riding and he's lowly. riding upon an ass, and upon a, a colt, the of fall ass. of an ass. The prophet said, there's gonna be a day when the king is going to ride upon an unwritten donkey's coat. That prophecy had been made and Jesus looked around a week before he died and he said there's a prophecy that's yet unfulfilled but it's not going to be fulfilled if I just walk through the gates of Jerusalem. It's not going to be fulfilled if we go find a big white horse and a chariot for me to ride into Jerusalem. The only way it's going to come to pass I know of a little donkey That's tied up right now It's not being used It's bound up It's only hadn't taken the time To teach it anything But the Lord said it My word It's gonna be fulfilled I've got a need And the need is for that donkey <laughs> Hallelujah I'm telling you if one prophecy about trust anything that's in his word if there's one prophecy that didn't get fulfilled then how do we know which of the prophecies he's going to keep and which ones he's not and if his word could no longer be trusted salvation would have become impossible because salvation depended upon his word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god are you hearing me tonight i'm telling you that everything we have tonight on a little unwanted unridden donkey's coat an insignificant creature but he became significant because the Lord needed him Oh, I feel like preaching for a while tonight. I hope you're not in a hurry. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, just a week later, just really not even a full week later, the Lord needed another insignificant creature. Because he's talking to his disciples one night, and he starts telling them some things they didn't really want to hear. So we go to Mark chapter 14, verses 26 to 31. Read for me, Pastor Hilton.
1: And when they had sung in him, they went in, out into the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended. He said of me, to his
0: disciples, To his disciples, every one of you are going to be offended because of me.
1: This night. This night. For it is written, written, I will smite the shepherd. I'm gonna smite the shepherd. The sheep, will, shall and the be sheep are gonna, and, and the sheep, the sheep will be scattered. Be scattered. But all after, right. But, after, that but after I'm risen, I will go, I'm going before, to go before you in Galilee. Galilee. But Peter said unto but him, Peter said, although all shall be. Now upended, look, look, look. I'm gonna tell you, I, and and this
0: happens a lot of times. People get stuck on one thing that somebody says, and they don't hear the rest of the conversation. Oh, I've had that happen so many times when I was preaching. Somebody get hung up on one little statement and they miss everything else that's said afterwards. And Jesus said, everybody here is going to be offended. And you know what happened? Sound like they had snowflakes before we knew what they were. Peter's already offended. To him, even though everybody else gets offended, I'm not going to get offended. Like the man that came in my office one day and he was, boy, he was giving me what for. And I said, I said, My brother, you've got a bad attitude. He said, I don't have a bad attitude. Okay. Maybe by your definition, but my definition, that's bad. All right. Peter said, I'm not going to get offended. The rest of them might get offended, but I'm not getting offended.
1: Yeah. And So Jesus just kept talking. Jesus said unto him, Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, truly I tell you Simon Peter, that this day, this day, even in, even this, night, in this night, before, the, before twice, the
0: rooster crows twice, thou shalt deny me You're going to deny me three times. This very night Peter. This very night. You know the rooster crows about sun up. So he's saying you're not even going to make it till sun up in the morning. You're telling me you're not going to be offended and I'm telling you you're going to be so offended that before the sun even comes up tomorrow you're going to deny me three times. Peter said it's not going to happen. And I'm going to tell you if it didn't happen, then Jesus' reputation would have been ruined. Says so what Peter's not understanding. Jesus just said, You're going to be offended. And if Jesus missed it, then his reputation is destroyed. If his reputation was... You know what would happen if Jesus had missed it that night? Jesus would have by the... He's a false prophet. I'm talking about even in our own ranks. Sometimes people don't like to hear that. But that is what the Bible says. If they miss it on just one point, they are a false prophet. And so if Jesus had said, you're going to be offended tonight, and they didn't get offended... He would have been a false prophet. But Jesus made it specific, not just that you're going to be offended. He said, you're going to deny me. And he said, you're going to deny me before a certain thing happens. This denial is going to take place before the rooster crows twice. I hope you're getting what I'm telling you tonight. What is a rooster? What does it matter? How significant is it? How important is it? Well, I'm going to tell you, in this case, it's pretty important. Because if that rooster didn't crow, Jesus became a false prophet. He explicitly included the crowing of the rooster in the prophecy. And had the rooster not crowed, He would have become a false prophet. If he'd have become a false prophet, his disciples would never have been willing to die for him. They would never have founded the Church of the Living God. We wouldn't be where we're at today if a rooster hadn't crowed. Well, you see, God had need of a rooster to be in the right place at the right time. Roosters gonna do what roosters do. But it had to be at the right place so that Peter could hear it when it happened. Well, hallelujah. I know this seems so simple tonight, but it's what I feel in my spirit. I'm telling you, God had a need. God said, I've got to have something happen here. My whole reputation is on it. The life of the church, the founding of the church depends on a rooster being in the right place at the right time. I need that rooster thinks twice about, but God was thinking about him because he had a need, he had a need and a donkey met his need and a rooster met his need. I'm going to tell you when God has a need, God doesn't look around for what is significant and what is important. Because what is significant and important to him is that what he said comes to pass. That's what's significant and that's what's important. Let me show you something here. I want you just to go on a little journey with me for just a few minutes and then I'm going to get to where I want to go. I'll preach about that for a few minutes and then we're, we're, we're going to go. Amen. We're going to hopefully come around here and pray for a little while before we go, but, but but, listen to me. I want you to go with me. We know, most of us know the story of Peter's miraculous deliverance from prison, right? We, we know about that. We know about it happening. We know about him standing at the door knocking and them believing it was his ghost before they believe that the prayers had been answered. But I want to take you through a little something here. I want you to think about something for a few minutes. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Please follow with me now. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through ten
1: Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two he's chains bound with two chains. And the keeper before the door kept the prison.-huh And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon the Angel him. came and a light shined a in the prison shined. and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying arise up quickly get up quickly and his chains fell off the chains fell off from his hands and the angel said unto him Girdai. come on and he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw a vision when they were past the first the and, first second, war, and the second war, they came unto the iron gate, to the iron that, gate the city, that leads to
0: the city, which opened, the, which to, the, opened uh, to them of, his own, of his own accord.
1: And they went out, passed on through the street, street and forthwith, forthwith the angel, the angel departed now, from them. Now, us. let's
0: talk about this for just a minute. Let's talk about this for just a minute. Peter went through a process that set him free as a prisoner. Real freedom, total freedom. There were several things that happened, but he wasn't fully free from the prison until that iron gate swung open and he was able to walk through it. But I want you to see that the iron gate didn't just open up the minute Peter woke up, but there was a process. If you'd allow me to use my imagination here for just a moment and take you on a little interview with me as we go through the steps of what it took to get Peter free, if we could go and ask the iron gate, why is it it took you so long to open up to Peter? The iron gate, I think, would answer, well, I've been instructed to wait until the chains fall off. There's no need for me to open up until he's not bound by chains anymore. So I'm just sitting here waiting on the chains. So we walk to the chains and say, all right, what is it you're waiting on? And the chains say, well, I'm gonna tell you, I was told I can't fall off until there's a light that shines. And the moment the light shines, I'm out of here. I'm done, I'm letting him go. So we go to the light. Light, what is it that you're waiting on? Well, I've been told I'm not supposed to shine until the angel comes on the scene. So I'm just waiting on an angel to show up. And as soon as the angel gets here, I'm gonna turn my light on. So Mr. Angel, would you please tell us what is it that you're waiting on? Why is it it's taken you so long to get to the prison? And I have no doubt the angel would say, I've been waiting the things I still have for Peter to accomplish on the face of this earth. But what I need right now is I need a church that knows how to pray. If I can get a church to pray, if I can get a church to pray, then I'll send my angel. And when the angel gets there, the light will turn on. And when the light turns on, the chains will fall off. And when the chains fall off, the iron gate's gonna open up. I just need a church to pray. I'm preaching to us tonight in life I'm telling you Amen. There is indeed a revival That's in the air I've said it over and over and over I've told you I believe we've got an opportunity In front of us right now Like we've never had before But I'm going to tell you God has a need tonight God is waiting on some folks tonight All right, all right, I'm losing some of you. I'm gonna tell you, if we're gonna see what God wants us to see, you gotta understand, the Lord has need of you. Quit talking about how insignificant you are. Quit talking about how unimportant you are. Quit letting the devil lie to you, saying you're nobody and you're nothing. I'm telling you, you've got a role to play in this revival. You've got a reason for being here. You've got a purpose God put upon your life, and the Lord's got a need tonight, but he's looking around saying, who's gonna meet my need? I've been there when they needed me. I've answered when they've cried out to me. I've always heard them when they've asked of me but I've got a need tonight
1: hallelujah hallelujah
0: the Lord needed a donkey needs Oh, I feel like preaching. I hope you're not in a big hurry right now. I shall feel like preaching for a little while yet. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, everything that this church needs to go forward, we're not waiting on somebody else to get here. We're not waiting on some other person to pray through. We're not waiting on some other member to come join up. I'm telling you, everything we need to get to the next step is right here on these pews tonight. Yes, I'm preaching to you. Yes, I'm preaching to you. I know there are some things we can't accomplish with more people until we get more people. Some things we can't accomplish until these pews are more full. But I'm gonna tell you, we're not gonna get to that point until other things start happening. And here's what I'm saying, you may not be much more significant in your mind than a rooster was, but that rooster counted a whole lot. You may not see yourself as much more important than a donkey's colt, but that donkey's amen, meant everything. I'm preaching to you tonight, church. God has got a need. There is a revival. There is a city he wants to save. There are miracles he wants to perform. There are things he wants to do, and we're sitting around waiting for somebody else to show up to do it. And he's saying, the Lord has need of you. Yes need of you. Well. <laughs> see, we talked about God supplies needs according to his riches and glory. And I'm telling you this church is not lacking anything that it needs to make the next step. We may be lacking some things that we need cross the final threshold but we're not lacking anything we need to make the next the kingdom for such a time as this well hallelujah are you going to let me preach a little bit here tonight you're going to let me preach like a pastor here tonight i'm not an evangelist didn't claim to be i'm a pastor pastors are not sent to make us feel good they're sent for the perfecting of the saints So I'm gonna try to do a little perfecting tonight. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, God's got need of you, not somebody else. He'll send somebody else when they're needed, but right now, you're needed. While I was in California uh, last week, got to spend a little time with a man uh, who is in the process of trying to start a church and do a work, and And he's, he's, the time I got to spend with him, I really enjoyed, really appreciated his spirit, really liked what I saw and heard. He got to talking to me about the people that he has, the people God's given him, and and he, he was telling me, he said, I've really struggled. I've really struggled with them giving the way they ought to give. They just haven't hadn't really got a hold of the blessing of giving financially. And he said, I had this great idea. He said, I, I went to the computer and he said, I designed this pie chart. Everybody knows what a pie chart is. You ever seen those pie charts? You know, they're a round circle, and they got little slivers in them, you know, and each sliver's a different color, and each color represents something in particular, and so he said, I designed this pie chart, and he said, the pie chart looked really unusual because there was only one little slice in the rest of the pie, and it was very, very minuscule, very small little slice, and he said, that was the only thing that was a different color, and the rest of the circle was all one solid color, And he said, I got up, is what I and my family are giving. I said, did it work? He smiled and said, nope. You want to know why it didn't work? I'm going to tell you why it didn't work. It didn't work because people grow content that as long as the job's being done, there's no need for them to step up to the plate. If somebody else is going to do it for them, they're going to let them do it for them. You agree with that? Isn't that human nature? That's human nature, right? If somebody else will do it, then we're going to sit back and let somebody else do it. Right? 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 I'm still waiting on some of you to get on board with that. But it's the truth. We may not want to admit it, but it's the truth. It's like I, I we had I had some relatives visiting one time many many years ago, and and uh, uh, my I don't remember if it was my wife or myself. One of us had walked up to the table there and went to get their glass to refill it with a drink, and and uh, I said, or my wife, whoever it was, said I don't remember who it was talking to them. I just remember their response said said let it, let us let us get your refill there. And so they here's what they did they they picked up their glass and said, oh, no, I'll get it, handing the glass to us, oh, no, I'll get it, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> I can see you're wanting to get it, I wasn't offended by it, I thought it was funny, but, but I'm just telling you, that's human nature, we say with our lips, I'll do it, but if somebody else is willing, we're just going to sit back down and let them do it. Can I tell you something, church? I don't think that it's an accident that we find ourselves where we are right now. I don't think that it's an accident that all of a sudden I don't have a youth pastor here anymore, and and I don't have somebody that's going to help and and fill in and do things. I'm going to tell you, I don't think that's an accident. I think what we've got here is a classic case of folks saying, well, as long as he's going to do it, as long as someone else is going to do it, I don't need to step up. But God has put us in a place right now that if we really want revival, there's nobody else to do what you need to be doing. Well, hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you, it's time to get your eyes off your problem. What I've been preaching to you for weeks now, get them on the kingdom of God and say, you know what, there's a place for me, there's a job for me, there's something I can do. Well, hallelujah. are you going to let me preach for a few more minutes? Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying this because she's my mom, but I'm going to tell you something I appreciate about this lady right here. If she knows somebody missed church, she's going to call them and check on them. When they show up again, she's going to make it a point to go and speak to them and let them know she loves them, she missed them. You know, there's not a whole lot that she's got the strength to do at her age, but she's doing a vital work in this church. Now, why is it that um, a lady of 39 plus has to fill a job when we've got young people full of energy and strength? We've got couples here. I know you're busy, but I'm going to tell you, it's busy people that get things done. It's busy people that get a work done. And I'm saying to this church tonight, God's got some needs in the city of Olathe. God's got some things that have got to be done. You don't have time to just sit around and do nothing. You don't have time. There's too much to be done. The longer you wait and do nothing at all, the more everybody else that is trying to do it has to carry your load for you. I'm preaching tonight. The Lord has a need, and who's going to need it? Who's gonna step up? Well, hallelujah. Amen, amen. When I had had preachers here, before we put them out there into the work of God, but pre-service prayer, I could count on them. I depended on them. Get out there and get things moving. Get the Holy Ghost stirring before we ever get to service. Before church ever starts, I depended on them. I, I want to be out of here. I try to get out here when I can happen. But I'm going to tell you what I need. There's a need for somebody that just takes pre-service prayer very, very seriously and gets in here and says, look, we don't have a youth pastor to do it. We don't have a young preacher here to do it. But a saint of God can get the Holy Ghost stirred up I can play some fire down, Brother Chad. I can get in there and get a hold of God. And if I do, I'm playing a very important role. It may not be song leader. It may not be Sunday school teacher. But I'm gonna tell you, if we don't have a move of God, we might as well turn the lights off and lock the doors and go home. I'm not interested in having a social club where we get together and have a little fun once in a while. That's a nice little benefit. But this is a church, and we gotta have a move of God. Pastor Hilton can testify That I taught these men I stressed to these men if You're sitting on that platform You better be an example And even if you're not in the, on the platform You better be an example If I'm preaching you better be behind me You better be backing the preacher up. If nobody else is, you better be shouting amen. Is that what I taught you? Is that what I put in you? I I, I drilled it into these men. You better get in there and get behind the preacher. And whether it's me preaching or somebody else, even if it's another young preacher, you better be on your feet when he's making a good point. You better be backing him up. You better be doing something. Well, we don't have any preachers here right now besides me. So you know what? God's got need of some of you to quit just sitting there, enjoying the service, and get in there and back the preacher when he's preaching. You've had just a handful of folks that have carried the majority of the load. You didn't want to be too tied up with Sunday school. You didn't want to have to spend too much time in preparation. You got jobs to do. You got families to take. I understand that. But we got a world to reach. And if you don't do it, who will? If we're gonna see revival, how are we gonna see it? We're not gonna see it because we got a bunch of pew warmers. We're only gonna see it if we've got some active warriors on this battlefield who are saying, I understand, I recognize, I may not be much more important than a rooster, but that rooster should sure played a vital role. Oh, I got a lot of scriptures I hadn't got to, and I may not get to. Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! I've been preaching prayer. been beach, preaching prayer. Preaching prayer. Preaching prayer. Thank God there are some that are doing something to kind of spice up the prayer life. You're, you're doing something to, to get in there and pray a little bit more. But I'm worried about the rest of you. That hear it week after week after week after week. And there's no change. You're not praying more right now than you were months ago when I started preaching on prayer. Your prayer life is just the same as it always was. Look, I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm just telling you God has a need tonight. He's been faithful to you. He's always met your needs and he's promised he's gonna keep meeting your needs but he's got a need right now. He needs some folks to really understand and put their shoulder to the plow and do something about where we're at right now. I've been preaching outreach, preaching outreach. I had two or three weeks there that I wanted to preach on prayer and the Lord wouldn't let me. It was just outreach, outreach, outreach. And thank God, there's a few that get it. But there's a whole lot that's not doing more right now than you were before all of that. You hadn't invited one extra person you had had out waiting on everybody else to do it you got to get on board you got to get on board you've got to get on board well praise god praise god nearly 2 weeks ago i mentioned an article that I had printed up about time management. Learning to to to, to manage your time and, and learning how to follow after the Spirit and let God direct you as to the things that are really important. And I asked this past Tuesday night how many had read the article and very few. And so I had Josh hand them out. Now, that's been almost a week. How many of you read the article? I know I know. people like Brother Chad's not here on Tuesday night, so I, I'm, I'm excluding you, Brother Chad. I don't want you feeling bad. But I'm going to ask the rest of you, why not? It doesn't take that long. You could do it. This is important to me, and it's important to the kingdom of God. But this is just one small example where you're hearing it preached, but unfortunately we're just hearers of the word and not doers. We're hearing it. We've got great intentions. We plan on it. But we never put into practice the things we plan on. That's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching tonight. I'm telling you, church, I don't want us to miss this window of opportunity. I'm telling you, there is a revival God is ready to give us. And I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to let it slip through my fingertips. I'm calling on some folks tonight. Would you wake up? Would you shake yourself and say, I'm going to do better? Starting this night, it's going to be different for me. I am going to pick up uh, my share of the responsibility. There is something that God's got me in this church for. Oh, let me just preach to you. When I came back in June, it happened. But I'm telling you, there are folks sitting here tonight and others that should be sitting here tonight that let that spirit get them in spite of my best warnings. Oh, church, would you hear your pastor tonight? At some point, you've got to quit being a hearer and become a doer. You've got to put some things into practice that you're hearing come across this pulpit. You've got to take it Seriously. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I'm not trying. I don't want us walking away from this service feeling like you've just come out of a boxing match and you did not even have any gloves on. And, and I just sat there and, 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 and gave you punch after punch. That's not the way I want you to see what I'm doing tonight. I'm making an appeal. I'm telling you, this old man, he, man, this man right here, I'm getting weary. I'm getting weary of the load that I'm carrying. I've got so much that I'm doing. I've got so many things I'm trying to stay on top of. I just just need some folks to start being doers of what you've been hearing week after week after week after week. God's got a need in this church. And he's looking for some folks to get on board. (sighs) Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands. Hallelujah. i got a lot of notes. I've got a lot of notes. I'm not going to try to hit those notes, but I'm going to tell you. When I feel like God spoke to me about this message, there were three words that I feel like he also spoke to me, and I made note of those three words. And so I I, I had a lot of scripture. I was going to try to come along and confirm these things. I'm not going to try to take the time. I've preached too long already tonight, but... But I, I, do, I, I do feel like I would be remiss and that I would be failing the Lord if I don't give you the three words that he put on my heart. There's three things God, well, really beyond 22 years in the last 34 years that I've been pastoring, I don't know how many times I've said it. And I say it when I go to Africa, I say it wherever I am, but it's amazing to me that folks can be on time for their job, but they can't be on time for church. Look, you may not interpret it this way, but I truly interpret it as the job is more important than the church. That's the way I see it. Because you're more faithful to that job. You don't just skip work. You don't just show up or, or fail to show up one day and don't tell anybody where you're at. Don't let anybody know. You're just gone. You don't do that on the job. I don't think that you just text your boss and say, I will be gone on such and such a day. Oh, it's getting real quiet now. (laughs) Well, would you like to go out to eat with me tonight after I'm done? Because I got a feeling nobody else is going to want to talk to me. All right, good, good. You better since you're married to my daughter. I'm I'm telling you the truth, saints of God. There ought to be nothing more important to us than the kingdom of God. Nothing. Nothing. I've said it before. The children of Israel were instructed to set up their tents around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the center of their life. Not a pastime that sat on a shelf that they used as they needed. Everything revolved around that tabernacle. And God was sending a message to us that our lives ought to revolve around the house of God. Whatever we're doing, it ought to revolve around the church. You know we're having revival. You ought to make it a point to be a part of that revival. If you know we're having a special service, you ought to make it a point to be a part of that. It ought to be important to you. Well, I felt some resistance on that, but it's the truth. And I'm telling you, where we are right now, where we are at this moment, every absence has an impact. A negative impact on the kingdom. That's right. I can get by with only one arm. But God gave me two for a reason. And if you're an arm to this body and you're missing in action, yeah, we can get by, but you sure make it harder on us. Oh, it's quiet. Now, where's all my shouters now? What happened to everybody that was so excited about what I was saying a little while ago? I'm still preaching the Lord's got a need and he's looking for somebody to just say, Lord, I may not be much, but I am willing to meet the need. I may just be the chains or I may just be the light or you know I may just be the iron gate but Lord I'm gonna be there when you need me I'm gonna do what you need me to do I'm gonna fill my slot in all of this oh Jesus so our time our time that's one of the words God put Oh, my heart, our time. God needs our time, especially right now. Especially right now he needs our time. Let me say to some of you men, I, I just want to tell you this. I want to say this to you. You know, we we were trying to teach our young men uh etiquette and, and manners, and we're still gonna continue on with that course. And 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 Brother Josh has volunteered to step in and teach whatever lessons I need him to teach, and I appreciate that. And I'm gonna take him up on it. I'm gonna teach some of the lessons as I can, as I'm available. It's just one more thing I'm having to add to my plate. Uh, among everything else, but I'll do it. But I'm going to tell you, some of you men, there are things that you could teach some of these young guys that they really need to learn. They need to learn how to change the oil in their car. They need to learn how to change a tire. I'm telling you, some of them don't have dads to teach on what they become. Well, hallelujah. You don't have to be a talented singer or musician to be used in the kingdom of God. I know it's not, you know, I know for a lot of men it's not our nature to, to clean up after ourselves and to keep things looking nice and in place, you know, we've sometimes left to ourselves, our socks are strewn everywhere. And but you know what? If you are a man who understands the value of cleanliness, and you could just take a night and stress to these young men how important it is that they keep their rooms clean and keep their beds made and you know, those kinds of things are so important. We live in a world... Look, look I'm going to tell you, there's something refreshing, believe it or not, that, that about going to Africa, there's something refreshing there that when I walk down the streets, and my wife can testify, you're just walking down the street, you're going to see person after person, not businessmen, just average people in a jacket and a tie. It's amazing. They, it, their appearance matters to them. But we live in a generation where the sloppier you are, the happier you are. Well, and unfortunately it's kind of spreading beyond just our young men. And young ladies are not understanding how important it is, and that's why Sister Desiree's involved in doing what she's doing and teaching these young ladies. Uh, I told Josh when he volunteered to to teach, I said, can I come over to your apartment right now with my white glove? He said, well, not right now, but give me a day. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible tells the story of a man who said, I've only got one talent. And I know, you know, I can't be like all these other guys. So I just, you're, you're a hard man. And I know that. So I'm just going to take my one talent and bury it. And God rebuked him and said, at the very least, you could have gotten interest on it. Even if you didn't do anything else with it, at least give me a little interest on it. I'm telling you, God doesn't take our excuses that I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't, it's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do, and you want to know what you can do. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hallelujah! There's a woman in Brother Burgess's church right now that that I. I uh, I prayed most of her family through many years ago and still from time to time when I see her she'll thank me because there came a time in the church when my church secretary left and I looked around and I found her and she was a lady that was faithful and I said would you just fill this slot? She said Brother Reagan I I don't know anything about all that I can't do that. I said I believe in you sister. I believe you can do it and she has thanked me over and over she said you believed in me I didn't think I could do it but I learned things. I was able to do it, God helped me and you pushed me past my comfort zone to start doing things I never thought I could do. I'm going to tell you, church, you can do more than you realize you can do. When God needs you, he'll empower you to do it. Look, I'm going to to blow a myth out of the water. Those of you that have been to Branson, um, please, I hope you do know that what they're showing down there under the title Samson is not 100% 100% biblically accurate, all right? and I hope you know that and understand that. But, but I'm going I'm to blow a myth out of the water. Samson did not destroy the Philistines because he had long hair. Now, some of you laugh at that. I actually read, I read an article where they went about trying their best to prove that long hair does not give men strength. Therefore, the Bible's wrong. And they talked about the sumo wrestlers in Japan and how big and how strong they are, and most of them hardly have any hair on their body. You missed the point. Samson was not victorious, though, like an animal. Because without the strength of God, he couldn't do anything. But when God came on him, God gave him strength he didn't have. Now, yes, God did it because of the keeping of a vow. But the fact remains that it was God's help that allowed him to be victorious. And I'm telling you, that same God, if God has a need, God will empower you to meet that need. God will give you talent. That you may not even have. In fact, in that same parable, the Bible said he took away from the one that did not have. And gave it to the one that had a lot. So that tells me God does give talents to those who use them. God will add to your talents if you'll use what you've got. All right, you're done. You're done. I can tell you're done. But I'm not. So you're going to have to bear with me for just a few more minutes. There were three words, there were three words that God, I felt like, put in my heart. God said, I need their time, and I need their talent, and God said, I need their treasure. I know, I know, it's, it's, it's almost anathema for a preacher to deal with money. And yet I said one night, many of you were not here that night. It was a bad weather night, and, and the crowd was way down, and, and many of you were not here. Uh, but, but I said that night that the fact is you can look at it yourself. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. He really did. In fact, I think it was three fourths of his parables involve money. So, I, look, I don't have a problem. Just if the Lord says deal with it, I deal with it. And, and I'm just telling you, church, I, I believe I've done my best. God knows I've done my best to be frugal, I've done my best to be a good steward. Brother Josh, have you got the keys to your car? Bring them up here. Mui pronto. That's not muy pronto. He's been suffering from a migraine. That's quite a fancy car. He has taken me to the airport a couple times in it. Hadn't let me drive it yet, but he has taken me to the airport. And I don't want to drive it. I'm scared to death of the thing. I'm afraid it's going to, I'm going to tell it to turn right, and it's going to turn left. It's got a mind of its own. Uh, It talks to him. I don't know. And hearing him brag, I'm I'm worried he's going to propose to it. I'm 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 concerned. But
1: it's not a Tesla.
0: (laughs) It's quite the car. It really is. It's quite the car. And I do appreciate what Josh does. Josh, I I count on him a lot. In fact, sometimes I feel like I count on him too much. Not being a preacher, I feel like I I sometimes put too much of a load on him, but I know he's available. My old pastor used to always tell us, You want to get something done, you find somebody busy. It's just the way it is. You say, Well somebody's busy is gonna get burned out. I understand, but somebody that's not busy is not busy because they don't wanna be busy. And so usually asking them to do it it's just not gonna get done. So I just keep dumping on him. So, I appreciate all he does, so here's, I want the church to know, I appreciate it so much that I'm giving you the keys to a 2018 Toyota Camry, 2018 Toyota Camry. I'm giving him the keys to a 2018 Toyota Camry as my sign of appreciation for all you've done. Isn't that great? For this illustration. And I returned to him what was already his. But I didn't give him anything. Now, I don't have them with me, but if I were to go into my office and get the keys to my pickup truck and hand those to him, then I'd be giving him something. Now, I said all that to say, when we make out a check for our tithe, we haven't given anything to God. Because the tithe already belongs to God. That's already his. Now, I think we failed to, to, to turn out uh, the, the contribution statement for the first of March, first of April, I mean. And, uh, and now here we are nearly the first of May. I'm pretty sure we have not done it for a couple months. But, but anyhow, we're nearly the first of May. You'll be getting one shortly. After I get back from Africa, you'll be getting another contribution statement. But I'm going to tell you, when you look at those statements Don't look at the tithing as what you've given. Because you haven't given that. You've returned that. That was God's already. Oh, it got quiet. It got real quiet. In fact, it got too quiet but it's the truth. When those statements come out and you look at your tithing, you haven't given any of that to God. That was his. That already belonged to him. And it's not until you get into the offering column that you really see what you gave to God. Your giving is what exceeds that 10%. And I would remind you, this is in the list there somewhere, I see you gave up on me, but, but Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, this is what the Lord said
1: Will a man rob God? Will a man
0: rob God?
1: Yet you have robbed me. Yet you me. have robbed
0: me. But you say, wherein in? You say, Where in? have we robbed thee? And God said, In tithes.
1: Not just
0: in tithes. Offerings. But God said, I consider it robbery if you don't give above what's already mine. Church, I'm telling you, and and look, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, zero dollars out of this church. Am I telling the truth, Sister Becca? Entire months. Because the mortgage has got to be paid, and the light bill's got to be paid. And light bills can run three, four, five, six hundred dollars because they are commercial rates. Sometimes a thousand dollars because it's a commercial rate. A mortgage of 33 or 34 hundred dollars There are so many bills that have to be paid. And when we give God $20 in a month, I'm thankful you're giving $20. Don't misunderstand me. But I want you to understand the need is much bigger than that. Now, I'm not complaining. God takes care of us. God takes care of us. God opens doors and I get to go off and preach. And I'm not doing that strictly for money, but, but men pay me and I'm thankful. And that's what my wife and I live on most of the time. So that we can take everything that we should be getting and put it back in the church to pay the bills. I'm not complaining, but I'm saying this. I know some of you are giving sacrificially. There are people in this church that are giving 10% above their tithing. But there are some that are giving less than 1% above their tithing. I know things are tight, but you want to know how to get out of that tightness? You give your way out you give your way out you can't outgive god you cannot outgive god i'm t- i've taken my last dollar and given it to god and watched god turn around and give me four and five and 10 times what i gave to him i've watched him do it over and over and over again well hallelujah so that's why I'm not complaining, Church. I sigheded about him coming, but I remember him coming one time before, and he said God had shown him well, it was like a rubber band that we would be pushing towards revival, and all of a sudden that rubber band would just pull us right back down. Anybody else remember him saying that? He, he talked about that's what happens here. What well, I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm ready for us just to snap that band in half and go on through the revival. Well, I'm glad about five of you feel the same way. Maybe I've just been preaching too long and you're ready to get on to the restaurant. But I'm just telling you, church, I believe we can do it. I believe it's here. I believe we've got enough talent. I believe we've got enough time. I believe we've got enough treasure. We can go forward. We don't have to live under frustration. We don't have to live under this kind of bondage. We don't have to do it this way. We can have victory. We can have freedom but if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be because you got on board. Everybody started pulling their own weight. Everybody started doing what God has asked them to do. We can't all do the same thing. We can't all be singers. We can't all be Sunday school teachers, but there are more of us that can than haven't, and that's what this message is all about. Sister Becca, come. I'm going to quit tonight. I, I I feel in my heart tonight. God wants this church to know there is an open door before us. But if we're going to walk through it, we all need to pull together and not have a pie chart, whatever it is. If it's a Sunday school pie chart, it shouldn't just have the name Chad Johnson on that little sliver. Or Rhonda Riggin. (laughs) If it's an outreach pie chart, it shouldn't just have one or two names. If it's a prayer pie chart, it shouldn't just say, Lawrence Weems. And then this one little sliver here is everybody else put together. I'm telling you, God wants us each carrying our load, doing our part. God has need of you tonight. He has need of you tonight. We will again find ourselves in the place that God described in the book of Ezekiel. I think it's the very last scripture on the on the sheet there Ezekiel 22 and verse 30
1: and I sought for a man among them the
0: Lord told Ezekiel I sought for a man among
1: them that should make up the hedge that would make
0: up the hedge
1: stand in the gap stand in the gap for me for the land for me for the land that I should not destroy that I
0: should not destroy it
1: but I found
0: none I had a need I had a need now, I don't know why God sets it this way. In fact, if you want to go back and read Ezekiel 22, you'll find out that God's talking about he was ready to destroy Israel. God was angry. God was ready to bring judgment. God was ready. But God said, before I did, I just wanted to look around. I, I need a man that'll stand in the gap and make up the hedge. I don't know why God chooses to use men, why God chooses to use women. I don't know why God doesn't just do things miraculously from heaven in every situation. But I do know there are some things that God has chosen to leave in the hands of his creation. And he said, I really didn't want to destroy them. But I needed somebody. Somebody. I looked, I sought, I tried but in the end I found none God said I had a need and in spite of the fact that I've met needs and met needs and met needs when I had a need there was nobody There was nobody willing to meet my need with all of my heart that God has looked down upon this assembly and he said, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a woman. I'm looking for a young person. I'm looking for somebody. got a need tonight I've got a need tonight and I've been the need supplier for every person in that church whatever they've faced I've always been there whatever they've required Never refused. When they needed me, I always came. But I've got a need tonight. I need some people to really improve their prayer lives, I need some people to really start putting forth a better effort at outreach. I need some people to really get more involved in the church service. And I need some people that that really start doing some things around the house of God. Not doing it with resentment, not doing it out of obligation, but because they recognize I'm meeting a need. Hey, when you're running the vacuum in here, I'm telling you, we can't have church in a dirty church. You're running the vacuum. You're meeting a need that God has. God's not going to operate that vacuum supernaturally. He needs somebody to do it. You see some trash on the ground and you pick it up. I'm telling you, you've just met a need. But in order for me to do it, I've got some things I need. And only you can meet those needs. I'm searching for a man tonight. I'm searching for a woman tonight. I'm searching for a young person tonight. Is there somebody? Is there anybody? that would come and kneel in these altars and just say God here am I send me here am I God here am I God send me My part may not amount to much in the eyes of anybody else. But I don't know what God's got waiting on the other side of me just doing my little part. Just crowing at the sun a couple times. And it brought conviction to the heart of Simon Peter and he went out and wept bitterly. Just a little donkey. It's never been ridden. Never done anything before. Not really even the most desirable of creatures. Not the most comfortable to ride on, but Lord, you need somebody to take you through that gate.
1: I'll do it.